So I want to talk this morning about not fearing. If, you read, if you've read the Bible a little bit, you've, you've come across this phrase. And some, if you uh, look it up on the Internet, you'll see in some place it says there's 365 do not fears in the Bible. It's not really true, but there's like more than that. So there's, there's like a lot. So the point is like there's a lot of do not fears. I don't know if, uh, you know, maybe there's some preachers out there. It's like, man, it'd be really great if we had 365 do not fears. And so um, just make it, you know, nice, neat sermon, you know. So anyways, I get it. But there's, so I looked it up, you know, do do not fear, do not be afraid, fear not, all those, there's, there's like 500 of something of those. And the point is, that's like a major emphasis that God has for us, is to not fear. And I don't want, I don't want to preach a, a sermon on the coronavirus, but we are going to pray into that. But this, that's one of the examples of fear, like, the world operates in fear. We're, we're called to operate in a different spirit, right? And Timothy says, you're not given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And so we're, we're, we, we have this kingdom that stands in stark contrast to the ways of the world. So the world's like fear, panic, anxiety, fear, panic, anxiety. And we're supposed to be a rock in the midst of a storm, just like Jesus is. So Jesus was the rock, right? So we're called to be rocks in society. We're called to be rocks in our families. And it doesn't mean we, we put on uh, stupid hats and close our ears or anything like that. It just means that we have a greater promise. We have a greater word than the word of the world. And so you, what you, a lot of what happens with fear is this mob mentality or the there's other words for it, but the mob mentality is, is, is uh, to me, the most accurate description because you, people get in fear and, and you know, it's like, it's like this snowball that just catches people in its wake. And, and the media's fear drives up ratings, so they're going to – how many of you all have the Weather Channel app? Okay, I'm like, Weather Channel, tone it down, okay, because <laughs> – Weather channels, just like, you know, there it's there's a creek overflowing in Bishop, Georgia. <laughs> there's a house. It's, this if this creek gets up 30 feet more high, this residential house will be under. And the guy sitting on his back porch, he's like, I mean, I'm not too worried about it, you know. But it's, <laughs> but weather, you know, and you got <laughs> there was there was one story where there was a hurricane. I'm not making light of hurricanes, but there is a, uh, a guy, and he was full-dressed hurricane gear. He's like, he's like, I can barely stand. And he was holding on to something. They had, there was like two guys walking in the background like this. <laughs> and, I mean, he's like, I can barely stand up here. And, I mean, they looked like they were going to the gym. They had, like, workout clothes on. They were... And so this is, this is what media, how many of y'all have seen the pictures of, they're like grocery store aisles are cleaned out and they cleaned out, like the, the, the news people cleaned out half of an aisle. 
the cameraman turns and there's people just shopping normally. And so, like, this is happening because calm and order doesn't make people watch TV. Fear does. And so, and what, what drives ratings? Money. So it's, it all boils down to these things that, that people idolize, people covet, which Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and mammon, which mammon is, was a, uh, another name for money. So you have this, but you have this mob mentality, and there is a spirit that can be behind this mob mentality of fear. So it's a spirit of fear, and it's just like, it kind of like gets, it's real sticky, and it can, can stick to you, and it makes you glob into this big, you know, blob of, of fear with a lot of people. And so an example was there is a special forces, uh, British special forces guy on, uh, I watched this series on Netflix about the British special forces. This guy had gotten captured in Iraq, and this was during the time of uh, Saddam Hussein being in power in Iraq. And so they really hated um, the U.S. They really hated Britain. And, and, and this guy got captured, and he had about three guys watching him in, in his cell. And there was a mob outside of the prison warning. They're crying out, give us to him so we can rip him apart, limb from limb. And they're just like, ah. It was just like this frothing you know, evil, hatred, sadistic spirit that was out there. And, and it got so strong and intense that the Iraqi guards started, they started getting scared. Because they're like, if they get in here, they're going to kill, they'll kill us just to get to him. Like, they won't even look, they're just like, they don't even care. We're Iraqi, they just want to, it's just like this kill, kill fear, you know. And, and the British Special Forces guy, he said, he says, I'm not the kind of guy to get scared very easily. He said, I was, I, that was probably the one time in my career I was genuinely scared. And so it's this, this like demonic working up that the devil can use. And, you know, there's the picture. Uh, there's like this meme that says, be this guy. And it was um, German people in, in 1940s doing the Heil Hitler thing, and, he, and he's the one in about a thousand. He, he's not, he doesn't have his hand up. It says, be that guy. And, and so you have to be very intentional about not falling into fear, not getting into that mob mentality. That same mob mentality is what crucified Jesus. Because when um, Pontius Pilate has Jesus and Barabbas before the crowd. They're like, what should I do with this man, Jesus? And like, crucify him, crucify him. And, you know, and, it's just, and, the, and the Pharisees are like, just crucify him, crucify him. They're stirring it up, they're stirring it up. And, you know, if you just, you kind of like the neutral observer, but you just say, yeah, cruci crucify him, crucify him. And that's how things can get out of whack, get out of control. So that's just one aspect I want you to be. Be the person that stops and asks the Lord, what do you think about this? What do you think about our situation? And get the Lord's perspective and, and not the world's. 
So Isaiah 41, chapter, uh, verses 10 or 13 says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. For I am the Lord your God who upholds your right hand, who says to you, do not fear, I will help you. And I just love the, this is one of the first scriptures I ever memorized because uh, Charles Swindoll wrote this book called Grace Awakening. Has anybody read that book by any chance? Great book, but he had, he's like, these are some great scriptures to begin memorizing. And I was a brand new Christian. And so I was like, I'll take Charles's word and memorize these scriptures. And, and this was one of them. But I love the picture that this paints. It says, do not fear for I'm with you. Do not anxiously look about you for I'm your God. I mean, just, I mean, the picture of like, what about, you know, what about this? What about this? And you just, you're looking, you're looking, you're looking. If you're doing this, you're doing this, you can't do this. You can't fix your eyes on Jesus. And the bottom line is we shouldn't, I mean, ultimately what kind of gets rid of fear is not fearing death. In Hebrews it says we became, it says don't become captive again by subjecting yourself to the fear of death. And so he's writing to, to Hebrew believers that are being persecuted. He's like, who cares if you die? For the Christian, that's the reality. You go to, you go to believers in, in China and Iran, they don't have the fear of death. And so they're, guess what? They're free. They have extreme boldness. And so when you don't have that fear of death, you're going to, Heidi Baker Surpresa Satole, when he was here in town, he told this story. And they, um, there's, I think it was like this, it was some like super lethal disease or sickness that had infected some Mozambicans. I want to say it was like the Zika virus or something, but it was like really super contagious, super lethal. A lot, way more, like 100 times more than any coronavirus. And so, they were quarantined in this tent, and you had the doctors were in full um, gear, like hazmat suits and stuff like that, to treat them. And the Lord, you know, told Heidi, he said, "Go in there and pray for him." And Surpresa was with her, and she said, "Come on, let's go in there. Um, Jesus wants to heal these people." And Surpresa, you know, he said he he went in there with her, but he's like. Um, you're like, you know these people, they're like super contagious, right? And, but they go in there, they don't get sick, people get healed, they leave the tent, and they're fine. Now, you, you know, you, those types of situations are where you got to hear the Lord. You need to have built a history with the Lord as well. But ultimately, if the God says to you, and if he makes it clear, you, you obey. But it's like with... um. I was, telling, I was telling one of my clients with the coronavirus, it's like, I, I'm, there's, I'm taking precautions, but I can't, I can't worry about this. Like, the worry isn't helping anything, right? Now, I'm not going to go up to Daniel and, like, lick his palm or lick my palm or anything like that. So you, you, you're, you're, you're washing your hands. You're doing, like, the normal things that you would do to keep 
being sick. But at the same time, I'm not like wiping out the hand sanitizer shelf at Publix and hoarding it. I mean, it's, you know what I'm saying. So anyways, so do not look anxiously about you. Psalm 34. So we're going to take some keys from Psalm 34 about how not to fear, but we're going to read uh, these first eight verses. A Psalm of David, when he feigned madness before Abimelech, who drove him away. I just love that anyway. That's just a side note. I love that David faked being crazy. So he, he's like, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, let him go. He's like, <laughs> and it's just, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and rejoice. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked at him and were radiant and their faces will never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. And so this psalm gives a few ways to combat fear. The first thing is to give thanks to the Lord. Jehoshaphat, one of the, uh, the kings of Judah, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he, they were outnumbered vastly by an enemy army. God said, send out the worshipers before your army, and I will confuse the enemy. So Jehoshaphat obeys the Lord, sends out the Levites and the worshipers. And what was their war song? Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his loving kindness endures forever. That was their war song. So anytime you give thanks, you're making war on the enemy. Anytime you proclaim the Lord's goodness, you make war on the enemy. So you're in a situation where, hey, it looks like it's, maybe it's painful, maybe things aren't working out the way you want them to. And you're like, God, you're good. When you proclaim that, it's like, <clears throat> right, sticks the enemy in his heart. And I think it's the Lord's really okay with that thought of like, Lord, I don't want the devil to get one on me. Because it said that he came to destroy the works of the devil, right? And so that can be part of your motivation is like, I don't, I want the devil to get one on me. If you're competitive, let that be, turn that into <laughs> for the Lord, you know? And so give thanks to the Lord is a way of believing as well. If Jessica gives me her notebook, Thank you, honey. I've I, what it is, is I'm giving her a receipt for what she gave me. That's where I call a thank you. It's like, hey, if I give you something, when I say thank you, that means I've received it. And so Jessica and I, when, whenever we compliment each other, we'll say, hey, I need a receipt. And they say, and one of us will say, thank you for saying that. Because it means take it in. Take it into yourself. 
side note, Me Megan, will you turn the heater down? I did a bad job adjusting the thermostat. I know I, it was 58 in here. I turned it up to 64, but now I'm just, I'm like, it's so giving thanks is a way of believing and receiving. So Mark 11, it says, therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them and they will be granted to you. So this is, this is a huge key in prayer. He's saying, if you believe that you've received them, they will be granted to you. Now, what does Paul say about prayer? He says, let all prayer petitions be done with what? Thanksgiving. Why do you think Paul's saying, let it all be done with thanksgiving so you can believe that you've received what you have asked for? So one of the ways that I pray for healing before it manifests, I thank God for healing. It's like, Lord, thank you for healing this injury, this sickness 2,000 years ago on the cross. I receive it. Thank you for healing, as if it's been done, because, because Peter said, by his stripes, past tense, you have been healed. It's been healed. It's been accomplished. It is finished, is what Jesus said. Secondly, we boast in the Lord. We magnify the Lord to brag about who God is. Brag about who God is. Testimonies of God's love and power is what this does. You know, when you start bragging on the Lord, you start telling people what God's done for you. It's like, yeah, man. I remember I had a, um, uh, a client who, when Hugh Hefner died, he, <laughs> he told me, he's like, yeah, man, I went and bought a Playboy. It's for old time's sake. And um, I said, yeah, man. I said, God freed me from that. And... He's like, well, you know, it's just kind of like nostalgic. And I was like, yeah, man. I said, that stuff, it will ruin a life. <laughs> and he, like, the next time I trained him, he was like, he's like, man, you know, the other day, like, when I was talking about that, it just, it convicted him, you know. But he, he didn't know how to deal with it. But I wasn't, like, I really wasn't condemning. I was just like, man, that, that thing messed my life up. And I said, God, I said, but, you, but I, what I threw in there is, like, you can't get free with it. From it, unless you surrender to God. I was a slave to that thing, but then God has set me free. And so you, you brag about what God has done for you. God came, God came through in your finances. Brag about the Lord. Testify about what the Lord has done. So that's, a, that's another way to combat fear is like, I mean, if you're, if you're getting fearful about, the coronavirus, start thinking about all the thing, the testimonies you've heard about God's healing, whether it's in your life or somebody else's life. It's like, you know what? Lord, I remember when Heidi Baker walked into that tent and, and like, her and Surpresa didn't, didn't get sick. They weren't infected. I remember, Lord, when John G. Lake held his uh, flesh-eating bacteria in the palm of his hand under a microscope and it withered and died, Lord. Because he says he's not under the law of sin and death, but under the law of the spirit of life. John G. Lake was a healing evangelist in South Africa and Washington State. Lord, I remember when Smith Wigglesworth punched that lady in the stomach and the tumor fell out on the ground. 
Lord, I, I remember David Hogan, his wife, she was, they have lots of enemies and where they're missionaries from drug cartel and indigenous people. And their energy supply comes from natural gas. Somebody leaked gas in their house while David Hogan's wife was in the house and, you know, lit it and the, the whole house blew up. And she was burned so badly, like her facial features had melted off, limbs had melted off. And she was, you know, just in a bad way. And he, but she was alive. So he s sat by her side and prayed, and, and he would just thank the Lord for healing her. And he would pick off a scab by scab, scab by scab for three weeks. Lord grew her nose back. He said he'd pick off a scab on her nose, and it'd be like new flesh. She today only has... So she got all her fingers back, got her nose and facial features back. And um, he said the only thing left from that blast is a scar on her hand. He said, and we're still believing for that scar to leave. So, Lord, so you start remembering those things. You know, he, David Hogan was, again, he was on his tractor, a snake, the, the most poisonous snake in Mexico, fell out of a tree right as he went under it, bit him on the neck. He should have died in 30 minutes, but he stayed alive for three days until the Lord healed him. And his, he said his wife just, just stayed by his bed, and she said, Jesus loves you, David. Jesus loves you. And he said, she just say that all day long. Jesus loves you, David. And the Lord healed him. So remember, brag about who God is testimonies of the Lord. Thirdly, seek the Lord. Matthew 6, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And so we're to seek the Lord first in all things, and I've <clears throat> Just started this uh, a week ago, and I'm not necessarily putting this on anybody. I'm just testifying of my brief experience. And so since I, ever since I started getting up early in the morning to train people, I, I'm like a little groggy. I have to get up at 5, make my, my breakfast and stuff like that. But one of the first things I've done is uh, I love sports. I'll, I'll check the, I'll check the, the scores. And, but I always have had times in my day sectioned off to spend with the Lord. So I spend time with the Lord. It just hasn't been first. And uh, Joel shared on this at the marriage retreat, and it was my biggest takeaway, really, from the marriage retreat, was about seek God first. It doesn't matter if it's five minutes or 30 minutes or whatever. Just seek him first. And so I've been getting up. 15 minutes early it takes me about 15 minutes to kind of get my clothes on and, and get settled into the living room. And my first 30 minutes I've been given to the Lord, even though I've got some other time in the day to, to spend with the Lord to read more. And what it's done is I feel like I'm not on this thing as much. 
And it's it's because I, it's like I put something first. Even that little thing, I'm like, hey, I'll check ESPN. Nothing necessarily wrong with that. But it's, it's like it, that was coming first. And so seeking God first, and like I said, I'm not putting any type of quantity or anything on that. It, you could just be laying in the bed. And you've got maybe you get up maybe you got to be at work at four, and you've got you wake up at three thirty, but and you've so you've only got five minutes to give it first to the Lord. But you just you could just be in the bed like good morning Lord. I receive your love today. Show me who to love, and you just give the Lord your first. It's just like giving of our of our money and our time. We give the first fruits of our money and our time to the Lord. Give him, the, give him the stuff, the good stuff off the top. That's the principle. Give him the good stuff. Don't give him the scraps. And so it, it, what it does, it's, it, it, what I found is it feels like my life is in order. I don't know how to put it. It's just like things, the things that matter matter more. <laughs> The things that don't matter matter less. So, but you have to seek seek the Lord. You have to spend time in His presence. And we're we're talking about this at Call to War on Sundays. Like when you spend time with the Lord, imagine yourself as a kid crawling up into your daddy's lap. And if and so, you know, sometimes we fall asleep in that place, especially if it's early in the morning. But I had the thought. I was like, Is there a father? who, if they're desiring to spend time with their child and the child crawls up into their lap, a good father, and the father and the kid falls asleep in the daddy's lap, his daddy's like, what are you doing? And throw them off of their lap. No. You're going to be like, mm, I'm loving this. Man, this is awesome. Because like, they're like all nestled in. And so get rid of all of these Trying to do it right in the Lord's presence. Just get in his presence. Just get rid of all those notions. And even when you fall asleep and you're like, I just wasted 30 minutes. That's the, you know, what our, our mind wants to tell us. You're like, no, I just snuggled. I just fell asleep in daddy's arms for 30 minutes. And he doesn't reject me. He's like, that was a good time. That was a good time. And so... Seek the Lord. Make time for him. And then, fourthly, recognize that fear is not part of your born-again DNA. You are a new creation. You have not received the spirit of slavery, leading to fear again. You've received the spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. You don't have the spirit of slavery that leads to fear. You've got the spirit of sonship, the spirit of adoption that leads to courage and boldness and not fearing. You're at peace. You have peace that passes understanding. What does that mean? When you don't understand, you still have peace. You have the, the joy of the Lord is your strength. We said this one earlier, 2 Timothy 1.7. We don't have a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So a sound mind is one that doesn't like another... Translation is self-control. So, like, when something is thrown out there in the world and everybody's like, panic, 
panic now, fear now. You don't have to go there. Your emotions, you, you don't get yanked all over the place because you have a sound mind. You have a spirit of self-control. You have a spirit of power because you do not fear. You're like, God's with me. God's with me. And so you, don't, you do not fear. But you've been given like a, you have new DNA in you, right? You've been given the Holy Spirit. It's, it, it says that the, the Holy Spirit, having the Holy Spirit right now, it's like a down payment of what's to come. There's more. Say there's more. <laughs> there's more to come in life in the Holy Spirit. There's more to come in life in God. Right now, this is just the down payment. You know, call it 10% down on your, on your house. There's more to come because we are the temple of the living God. So recognize fear is, this isn't a part of you. So when fear wants to grip you, it's like, this is, you got to, anytime fear tries to come against you, you have permission to say, you don't belong here. Sometimes we receive, it's like, I'm, I'm fearful, I'm fearful. No, you're not fearful. You're not. You're a new creation. So tell it to leave. Tell the fear to leave. And sometimes you got to be militant. Sometimes you got to be consistent. But tell it to leave. Jesus versus diseases. Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction. Matthew 8. When evening came, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast the spirits out with a word, and he healed uh, some of them. Oh, wait. He healed all who were ill. He healed them all. Healed them all. We're talking about every manner of sickness and disease is what Matthew talks about. So we're talking about cancer, affliction, deformities, uh, sicknesses, fevers. Headaches, paralytics, lepers, we're talking about it all. A leper came to Jesus beseeching him. That's your vocabulary word challenge for the week. Use beseech in a sentence this week. And falling on his knees before him and saying, if you are willing, you can make me clean. I love this. I love this. Move with compassion. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing be cleansed. Does Jesus want to heal? Heal? Yes, he is willing. Be cleansed. So this guy, he's like, I know you can do it, but I don't know if you want to. Jesus is like, I want to. Be healed. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Now leprosy is extremely contagious. And this is the other, this is the New Testament reality that we have Old Testament. You stayed away from lepers because they would defile you. They would make you unclean. You would get sick. New Testament, you, we touch the leper, they get clean. That's the way, that's what Jesus modeled for us. And so I want us to stand, this is a uh, kind of like a call and response type of prayer. But I want us, I just felt like we need to, as a corporate body, pray against this thing. And like I said, there's nothing to fear. You read, if you're reading a lot of news, which is 
totally fine. Just don't give in to the fear, but a lot of it's very fear-based. And so, um, you know, as, it's, as more information comes out, it's looking more like a cold or flu, right? <laughs> just nobody, nobody has resistance to it yet, you know? So it's just like, it's just contagious. But it doesn't look anything more than like a cold or a flu, okay? And so, but still, what we want as people who are priests of God and kings and priests who are called to be ministers of reconciliation, ambassadors, we want to pray on behalf of not just ourselves, but of the world. Say, hey, world, we're going to break the fear off of you. And you've heard of the butterfly effect, right? It's a scientific theory that a butterfly flapping its wings in South America could cause a tornado in Texas. <laughs> it's a theory. <laughs> but I like the example because what it is is our prayers are powerful and effective. So here, the awakening in Athens, Georgia, it can affect the world. We, we shift atmospheres here. Because God hears us, and we believe that he hears us. Okay? So let's stand up, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a section, and there's going to be a slide that has a response, and you're all going to read the response together. Okay? Wade, you can uh, come on back up here. So, Lord Jesus Christ, this is my part. We ask you to protect us from the spread of the coronavirus. You are powerful and merciful. Let this be our prayer. This is what you say. Jehovah Shalom, Lord of Peace. We remember those living in coronavirus hotspots and those currently in isolation. May they know your presence in the isolation, your peace in their turmoil, and your patience in their waiting. Prince of Peace, you are powerful and merciful. Let this be their prayer. God of all comfort and counsel, we pray for those who are grieving, reeling from the sudden loss of loved ones. May they find your fellowship in their suffering, your comfort in their loss, and your hope in their despair. We name before you those known to us who are vulnerable and scared, the frail, the sick, and the elderly. So right now, if there's anybody elderly that you know of or who's scared of this virus, just remember, just say their names. Either whisper it or just say them in your head right now. God of all comfort, you are powerful and merciful. May this be our prayer. Jehovah Rapha, God who heals, we pray for all medical professionals dealing daily with the intense pressures of this crisis. Grant them resilience and weariness, discernment and diagnosis, and compassion upon compassion as they care. We thank you for the army of researchers working steadily and quietly towards a cure. Give them clarity, serendipity, and unexpected breakthrough today. 
Would you rise above this present darkness as the sun of righteousness with healing in your rays? May this be our prayer. God of all wisdom, we pray for our leaders, the World Health Organization, national governments and local leaders too, heads of schools, hospitals, and other institutions. Since you have positioned these people in public service for this hour, we ask you to grant them wisdom beyond their own wisdom to contain this virus, faith beyond their own faith to fight this fear, and strength beyond their own strength to sustain vital institutions through this time of turmoil. God of all wisdom and counsel, you are powerful and merciful. May this be our prayer. I bless you with the words of Psalm 91. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of the night nor the arrow that flies by day nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. May El Shaddai, the Lord God Almighty, who loves you, protect you. May Jesus Christ, his son who died for you, save you. And may the Holy Spirit who broods over the chaos and fills you with his presence intercede for you and in you for others at this time. Amen.